0: to the say sarcastically. However, um, everything that we once believed was the norm is no longer the norm. So we have to learn to understand and respect everything and everyone. Now, joining us today is an amazing woman. She is a model, an advocate, a speaker, and an author. And I often used to say that there was a time when beauty and brains were not allowed to reside in the same body. And if a woman was beautiful, her intellect was often overlooked. And in the same vein, if a woman was smart, she had to be unattractive. And all of that blown out of the water. It's all blown out of the water now. And not only is that blown out of the water, body image is something that has taken on a new definition. Uh, Society has told us, In the past, that you had to be small, thin, in order to be acceptable in society, that myth no longer exists either. And our guest today, Terry Davis, she is a plus size model, and she uses her platform as a plus size model to shed the light on all of these types of issues. And she's beautiful because she's a former beauty queen, she's smart, she's a speaker. She's intelligent, she's an author, and she's with us today. And we're going to have a long chat and discussion on these topics. Hey, Carrie, how are you? I'm
1: wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. It really is. And I have to tell you that you are in the ranks of what is it, Caitlin Crow, Ashley Graham, Essie Golden.
1: Yes, those are some big shoes to fill, but I, I'm honored uh, for you to say that. Um, those are people that, uh, ladies that I look up to uh, in this modeling plus modeling industry and aspire to, you know, reach their heights at some point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's awesome. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, in my intro, I talked about our history, you know, our history with beauty, our history with intellect, our history with um, body image. And these are all things Mm -hmm. that you use your modeling platform to discuss. Now, tell us, when did you decide that you wanted to be a model? You know, it's funny.
1: (laughs) It it was something that uh, people saw in me before I saw in myself. And for the very reasons that you listed, um, you know, I could never see myself being a model. Um, But a couple of years ago, um, I had a friend who was actually my uh, coach and my mentor in modeling. Uh, She had, we've been friends for well over 20 years, and she's been modeling for at least, gosh, 15 to 20 years herself. And she had been looking at just some you know, this is the age of the selfie, so she had been looking at some selfies that I had taken and was like, girl, you really should be modeling. You really should be doing this. And I was like, no, nah, that's your thing. That's really not my thing. Um But about two years ago, um, I, I actually had recently, a couple of years prior to that, gotten a divorce out of an a abusive situation, and... um you know, I, I had gotten to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna dip my toe in this pool and see how it pans out, um, and see if anything comes of it. So I didn't really make a conscious decision. I wasn't one of those uh, little girls that grew up always wanting to be a model. I just I never saw myself doing anything like that because I've always been uh, considered plus size in that sense because I'm tall. And I had more of an athletic build growing up. So, you know, plus size models were always a size zero or size two or something. And I don't think I ever even touched <laughs> those sizes ever at mm-hmm. any point in my life. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, she really encouraged me to try it out and see, you know, if I liked it, if it was something that I would be interested in pursuing. And um, like I said, two years ago, I did my first uh, photo shoot actually on Halloween and she said, I'm going to get you published um, by December, by the end of the year, in at least three different publications. And I didn't believe her, but I actually ended up being published in five by the end of the year. So wow. I said, there may be something to this. <laughs> there may be something to this. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. from then on, it was full speed ahead.
0: Oh, that is that is really amazing. Um, for your career just to skyrocket that quickly and yes. for you just to be a newcomer in the game, which is really more interesting because I believe a lot of people think that you have to be in the industry for uh, five, 10 years before anyone really acknowledges that you exist. Right.
1: Uh, I think, again, that's one of those old stereotypes. Um, it's just really about your commitment to what you're uh-huh. doing and, and you know, pursuing every avenue that you can in order to get the exposure and, you know, have the opportunity to be a part of some major productions, which I was blessed to be able to, to participate in between the um, actual print publications and social media, um, as well as some runway productions. Um, really social media is a great vehicle to reach a lot of people. So um, I have been seen on social media and have been contacted directly from my social media pages, you know, to be a part of Mm. productions and things like that. So, you know, it's out there, and and it doesn't require the footwork, you know, the pounding the pavement Mm -hmm. like it once did. Um, But you do have to take it serious, and you do still have to invest in
0: yourself. Okay. Now, with this platform that you have, you have decided to branch out and do other things with it so it's like you have people's attention and they're not just looking at you, but they're now they're listening to you. And what are you seeing?
1: Right, absolutely. Um I as I said, mentioned a little while ago, um, I was actually in an abusive relationship. So I'm very, very passionate about speaking up for uh domestic violence survivors and victims. Um because it is an issue that, you know, we really only hear about when there's a high profile uh, couple that's involved in a domestic situation. Um, That's when we get, you know, we get a lot of commentary around it or we get a lot of um, people having their opinions about, you know, why is she or he staying in these situations and things like that. But I really am passionate about educating people from the perspective of the victim of, you know, what's really taking place and why it is that it's not always a cut dry black and white issue. Um, You do have to take into consideration a lot of variables when you are removing yourself from these types of situations. So it's not always that easy. And more often than not, there are a lot of people who have been in these types of relationships In the past, I mean, right now the statistics say that one in every three women will experience violence at the hand of an intimate uh, intimate partner um, at some point in their life. I can name ten people that I know that have at some point in their life had to go through that. So it's happening so much. It's an epidemic, you know, throughout the world, and yet we barely talk about it. So I'm, I'm just really passionate about getting people more educated and advocating for those victims and those survivors, even once they come out of the relationship, understanding that it doesn't end there. You know, there's a whole nother process that has to take place.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I can say I'm one of those people who have been in a a bad situation and you're absolutely right. Um, Once you come out of it, it's like, I'll I'll liken it to slavery. Mm -hmm. Once you're no longer a slave and now that you're free and you're free, your mindset has to change from being that enslaved person to being that free person. Exactly. And and how you retrain yourself, that is your survival tactic right there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of what I have deemed um, my assignment, my movement, which is the Purple Passage. Um purple being the the color that it represents domestic violence, um we just got out we just you know at, finished domestic violence awareness month, which was october and um the passage for me was the transition that transition from being that enslaved you know person physically you know and mm-hmm. and uh, metaphorically, and transitioning into the person that you were always purposed to be, you know, and, and that's always an empowered individual. You know, I just believe that, you know, God, when he spoke life into us, he gave us dominion over this earth and not each other. And so, you know, a lot of times when you're in these relationships, you don't understand or you don't remember um, that aspect of your life and you don't actually operate as an empowered individual, you feel like you can't even make your own decisions you know some of the most basic decisions that it seems like it would be very simple to make because you were in a situation where it could spark an argument or a fight or you know some conflict in your home you felt powerless and and a lot of times it was just easier to let your abuser make those decisions so now you're out and you're on your own, how do I do that, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And it, it, yeah. it
1: even goes deeper than that. You know, you need to, you really have to get in touch with who you truly are. I went through an identity crisis, you know, and, and I never would have thought that that would happen because I felt like I had an, a great understanding of who I was. But then I realized that a lot of who I thought I was was because I needed to make things as comfortable as possible for me at home. Wasn't necessarily mm. my choices. It was just what was going to be easier. So yeah. And, so
0: that's. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm listening to you, and it's really funny. Um, as you stated, you know, in your statistic, it's interesting that you can get a group of women together, and they may not acknowledge the fact that it has happened to them, as you stated, but mm-hmm. the conversation. The, you know the the dialogue that they have amongst each other and with each other will tell you, you know, that the different the different phases of where they are. Right. Some, exactly. You know, yeah, you'll be able to tell from this person's conversation that they're completely over the situation and they've regained mm-hmm. and re reclaimed themselves. And you can also spot mm-hmm. the ones that are still struggling with. I don't know what happened. And how it right. happened. And then you have the right. ones that are like, who am I? They're, they're still, and exactly. then this, the, that last group that keeps gravitating back to the situation because they're not exactly sure if they're in a situation or it's just a one-time issue. Right.
1: And sometimes it's a matter of change. You know, as human beings, we don't, we're not comfortable with change. And whether it's good, bad, or indifferent change It's different. It's different than what we know. So we don't, we tend to want to stay in those comfort zones. So even, you know, and I was guilty of that as well. In my situation, it was like, you know, you know, I know this is bad and I know I really shouldn't continue on in this relationship, But I don't know what's outside of here. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what people are going to think of me. What are people going to say about me? I don't know how people are are going to accept this. Am I going to look like the bad guy? That kind of thing. And so all of those questions, you know, are swarming around you. And it's like, you know what, it might just be easier to just deal with it. I've been dealing with it. So if I just continue to deal with it, I know what things set him off. I know what things will, you know, cause a problem. And if I can just avoid those and smooth things over, you know, it it won't be so bad. Mm -hmm. So um, that's part of the problem is that we as humans, we just don't like or or I shouldn't say don't like, but are not comfortable when it comes to changing your life. So, But, I mean, in in, in situations like this, it's almost a life or death
0: situation. It is. It is. Well, I was a fighter. I've always been a fighter. And Mm -hmm. I had refused to let anyone treat me any kind of way. And when the situation happened, I started fighting. I guess they thought I was completely insane and left me alone, and it never happened again. Mm -hmm. But it took a minute for me to realize that I'm fighting for my life right now. Right, you know, right, exactly. I'm supposed to care about this person And this is how they're treating me Oh, no, uh-uh I said this is the last fight I'm having in this situation And I was gone But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was a one-time thing And I was just out of there And I was like, this is crazy And it really does And, you know, what it does What I believe it does is It makes you question your decision-making ability
1: Yes, Absolutely Absolutely. It's it's really hard because especially when you're being fed, a lot of times abusers, and and I can really speak in my my situation, um, if you're being told that you make bad decisions and, you know, I don't understand why you would do that. That just doesn't make sense. When you're being fed that constantly, when it comes down to making a major decision like that, those thoughts come back into your head. Is this the right thing to do? Am I blowing this out of proportion? You know, is this something that, you know, people go through couples, they go through things, you know, you just question everything. And a lot of times it's in that space of time where people will say, you know what, I'm just going to stay, or I'm just going to go back because, Mm. you know, I I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm making this more than what it was. Mm. Um, my my uh my husband actually was my abuser, and he uh we had a situation we had been married almost about two years, and um he actually assaulted me one night to where the police had to be called and uh, we were living in Las Vegas at the time, and it was it was an intense and and very physical assault and so out there when the police are called somebody's going to jail. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Whoever doesn't have the bruises is going to jail. So, um, he, he went to jail that night and as bad as I know it was in my mind, as much as I know that it was wrong and as much as I wanted help that night, I bailed him out three days later. I stayed married to him another six years after that. Um, because, at that point, you know, he actually called me from jail the next day and was like, I can't believe you let them arrest me, you know, and and that's the kind of control that a lot of times the abuser will have over their victim. It's it's like it's just one thing that they need to say, and it puts you back in that place of questioning everything. So now I'm, you know, he's telling me, Right. Exactly. He's telling me this is our marriage and nobody should be involved in our marriage except for us. And you let them do this and you let them come in and take me away. And I can't believe you did to the point where I'm apologizing,
0: mm.
1: you know, and now when I look back on it now, of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, But at the mm-hmm. time, I remember what it felt like at the time. And I, I felt bad. I felt guilty. I felt like I need to go get him out and we just need to work this out. We need to work through this. Um, thankfully, and I thank God that it, you know, the physical assault never happened again in the course of our marriage, but he just got more cunning with it. You know, he got more manipulative and it was more verbal abuse and, you know, Mm -hmm. the control factor, you know, things like that. So yeah, it's wow. it, it, wow. it's rough in, you know, when you're in this situation, it's really hard, and then you have people that will judge you based on those oh, decisions. Yeah. So so then all you do is internalize everything because you don't feel like you can trust anyone. So, yeah, so I am, it's it's my hope that when I speak, and I, I do speak to a lot of these groups that um, during Domestic Violence Awareness Month and hopefully throughout the year more, um, that I can shed the light on that aspect of it. You know, when people ask me all the time, why do people stay or why do people go back? I, I hope to give them the perspective from the victim's stance, you
0: mm, know, so that they can. That's good.
1: That empathy level can, can, you know, come up a little bit more. Because I've had people yeah. that have come to me and said, You know, my friend is going through this, and I'm trying to help her, but she keeps going back, and I just can't handle it no more. And that's understandable, but, you know, I try to give them the other side of it and and what their friend may be thinking or may be feeling. Mm
0: -hmm. So, Yes, and that's really good because we need to have more people speak out because a lot of times people don't realize that they're in that kind of situation until someone sheds some light on it. And you have the Right. Um it's the mental abuse, it's the verbal abuse, it's the emotional abuse, and the physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are and all and financial. You know, are, oh yes. Oh boy, financial, yes. And those are all yes. the things that you they often overlook because people only associate domestic violence with physical abuse. And it's, right. Someone and it's hitting not them. It's so much bigger. Right. And it's so much mm-hmm. bigger. And so you're writing a book also. So does your book cover this or is it about something other? Yes,
1: actually, um, the book is actually written. Um, It is in editing right now. So, and I'm really, really, really excited about that. The name of the book is The Purple Passage Beyond Existence. Um, And because I, I feel like, you know, when you're in these situations, you are simply existing. You're not living. That's not living life. That is just an existence. So, um, and yes, the the book does address uh, domestic violence situations. In fact, it is the first in a series of six, and um, it is actually, it's a fictional uh, storyline. However, a lot of the things that I went through are in this book. Um, as far as the abuse that's taking place, some of the the mind games that were played and some of the manipulation and things like that, Um, even a little bit of excerpts from the night that um, my ex-husband assaulted me, you know, is in there as well. So um, that's what I plan to do with the series is just Mm -hmm. to give people insight into the different types of relationships where the abuse takes place. So uh, I'm really, really excited for them to come out. Um, this first one should be out around March of 2017. Everything should be done and ready to, to hit the ground with it. So I'm so excited about it.
0: Now, may I ask, did you, was it an emotional journey writing this book and retelling your story? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> it was emotional. Um, it's, You know, the the characters in the book do not reflect me and my husband. In in, in actuality, this first book is actually a lesbian couple um, because I wanted to outline, like I said, relationships that we don't think about when it comes to an abusive situation. Um, But in some of the things that the victim, her her name is Sydney, uh, some of the things that Sydney goes through, were very, very personal for me. And so there were times when I've, I've been writing this, I wrote the book. It took me a year to write the book. And a lot of that was because I would get to a point and I just had to stop. You know, it's like, okay, I got to take a break. Because when I'm writing, I'm there. I'm in that mm-hmm. moment. And I, I, I started to feel, you know, all of the emotion around what was taking place. And so um, it was hard, but it was healing also. Because mm-hmm. um, I was able to reflect back and, you know, think about it from the perspective of, you know, I, I'm not there anymore, but my God, look what, <laughs> you know, look what took place, you know, mm-hmm. looking at all of the things that happened that could have been so much worse, you know, could have, I could have literally not been here, you know, mm-hmm. in some of those situations. So, um so yeah, it was hard. I had to take a lot of breaks. You know, there would be weeks at a time where I just wouldn't write anything because I, I almost didn't want to go back. You know,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm so glad that it it has come, you know, to fruition. It has been completed, and I'm just excited to get it out there for people to get get more insight into this topic.
0: Oh, great! Great. That's excellent because we need as many people out there shedding the light because we have so many young women, young girls yes. who are in situations that I don't even understand how they're getting into these situations at such an early age, but they're involved mm-hmm. in situations of the same magnitude. And exactly, it, it's really detrimental to their develop their growth and development because if you starting out at fourteen fifteen in a situation, what if you make it to adulthood, what type of adult are you going to be right exactly exactly
1: and and a lot of it you know, which is part of again that purple passage that I have um created um a lot of it comes from our past, our childhood, you know there are things that we're lacking in some area, usually. Um, That's what's taking place that causes us or leads us into these situations where we are abused. For me personally, it was a non-existing relationship with my father. It just didn't exist. I was raised by a single mother. And, um, you know, I think in in the men that I dated and the men that I married, I looked for something that I never had. And so, you know, when you have that that wanting and that desire, you know, it doesn't really take much for you to end up in these situations because, you know, they come and they're very, my ex-husband, he was very charismatic, you know, very smooth. And so, you know, you hear those sweet little nothings, you know, you don't, you, you overlook a lot of things. You know, I think there were signs in the beginning, but I just kind of said, "Oh well, you know, nobody's perfect, but he loves me." You know, and for me, that was like the most important thing. So, if as long as I have that, we can we can get over anything. We can, you know, work through everything else. So, um, I, I think that that may be the case in a lot of situations. Um, a lot of the people that I know and that I've met in um, my speaking engagements and things like that, that have shared with me their stories, there was always something lacking, you know, in that area. There was either, you know, well, I was I was adopted and so I never really knew my parents or, you know, my mother My mother and I, we never had a good relationship. My mother was an alcoholic or, you know, I, there were so many different dynamics and dysfunction in the household mm-hmm. as a child that the dysfunction just kind of follows them until adulthood, Um, but it usually takes, you know, something like this to wake that person up. That's what it took for me, to wake me up and make me realize there are some things that I need to deal with before I can move into the next phase of my life away from all of this abuse. So um, it has to be a conscious decision, and you have to make a concerted effort going forward so that you don't repeat. You know those those same tendencies, and end Mm -hmm. up in in another situation with a different face. You know, Mm -hmm.
0: same body, same same mindset, same body, same actions. Just exactly, a different person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see that. I've had some friends. I've had some friends who had the I don't know. They just kept picking the same type of person and Mm -hmm. it always had the same outcome and I just couldn't figure it out and you you know when you said that people often judge you and you become silent and you start you know just being secretive it's because of the shame and the embarrassment I think that you feel that you you know your worth but you can't seem to get out of whatever that is you're in that holding pattern and you don't know how and you don't want to say anything to anybody because they're going to have all these different opinions that you can't apply. And I think the biggest problem that we have is one person's fix worked for them in that situation, but it may not work for you in your situation. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And that's why you have to get to the core, get to the root of what your issue is. It's very personal. It's a very personal situation. And once you understand, you know, what your particular issue is, then you can start to heal in that area.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. for
1: me, again, you know, like I said, I didn't have a relationship with my father. And um, I found out, gosh, it must have been maybe about four or five years ago, that um he passed away in 1995 so I I will never have an opportunity to have a relationship with him
0: mm-hmm. so
1: you know that was that was a, a part of me that created a lot of insecurity in my life and and when you have these predators out there that are literally looking for someone who is insecure you know they have security and so many other things. They have the persona that they are strong and independent, and you know can can deal with what life throws at them. And they're aspiring to have a, a nice, you know, enjoyable life. You know, have a pretty good job. Maybe in school, trying to better themselves. Um, they they latch on to you. You know, they latch on to you because they see your uh, potential. But they want to control your potential. They want it to all be for their benefit. And so um, that's why it's so important for us as individuals to know who we are, you know, be secure in that, and, and not accept anything less. Um, until we understand and know who we are within ourselves and in, in our creator, we will accept things that are just placed in front of us. Because we, a lot of times we think that's all we have.
0: I have to tell you, my mom, she told me something once, and that she only had to say it once. She said, look, I went through all the trouble to get you here. I ain't bring you into this world to be anybody's punching bag. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, got it, I got it. And I told my daughter, I told my daughter, I said, look, if anybody has the right, who say anything about how you act, what you do, and the the way you are, I have all right, mm-hmm. I said, because I carried you. I brought you into this world. They ain't have nothing to do with that. And everything's So right. I say what I want. Anybody else say anything? They need to come talk to me if they got something to say because I'm responsible for who you are.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You are absolutely right some people have the audacity to think that they can re-raise someone else's child.
0: Mhm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. And
1: again, you know, for in in my situation, um my family, a lot of my family members actually did not like my ex-husband before I even married him. They kept quiet out of respect for me because To them, I was this strong, independent woman. I never even allowed them to see my insecurities or to know that, you know, when I'm at home alone by myself feeling lonely and feeling vulnerable, that I'm this weak individual, little girl, really. Um, So they, out of respect, they, they kept quiet about it. And um, every now and then, you know, it was obvious to me, you you know, you see little signs where you, you know, you got people, they kind of looking kind of funny or the, the, the greeting is a little bit dry. So I knew that there were some people that did not necessarily care for him. Um, but my mission, at least in my mind, was that I was going to prove them wrong. You know, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. He's really a good guy. You know, he he's, he, he loves me, and that's the most important thing. And so anything else we can figure it out, we'll work it out. Um, but, like I said, after the assault, of course, you know, with him going to jail, that was a pretty clear and obvious issue, you know, and, and he left mm-hmm. me battered, literally battered with bruises and swelling and bleeding and all of that. So, you know, my family knew about that, but the fact that I chose to stay, um, You know, that brought about a lot of question in their mind, but yet and still, they dared not ask me anything. And so because I knew how they felt, you know, I felt for the next six years, I felt like I cannot tell them this because they'll say, I told you so. I knew it. You should have left a long time ago. And I didn't want to hear that.
0: I just Mm -hmm. did not
1: want to hear that, you know. So I was just so determined to try to make this relationship work. So I stayed in it, and and I kept telling myself, but you know what? He hasn't hit me anymore. It was just a one-time thing, you know, but he, like I said, it it just became verbal after that. It was just, you know, he would slam doors and, you know, intimidating and doing things like that. So so I felt like things were better because they, they weren't as bad as they were you know, even though it was still abuse. Um, So, but, but finally, you know, it it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. I am not happy. I am not happy. And I'm like, life, life has got to be better than this. You know, this can't be all I'm made to do and here for. And I'm a, I'm a very outgoing person. I'm very sociable. And he, stifled all of that. He was so controlling. He didn't want me talking to people he didn't know. Um, literally, I would go to work, and he would call me at work just to hear who's talking to me in the background. <laughs> it
0: sounds, I'm yeah. laughing because it sounds crazy.
1: It does. But It does sound crazy, but it is, that was my life for, for years, you know, and it was, a nor- it was a normal life to me because I was used to it. You know, that's just kind of how things work literally to the point where um, I'm going to tell you a story. (laughs) I was at church one Sunday and um, he came in and said, we we actually attended separate churches because he was a, a musician for a church. And so he would come to my church after his service was over and we would be wrapping things up. But this particular Sunday he comes in and he sits down, sits down next to me and you know how the pastor will say, you know, turn to your neighbor and say, whatever, and so mm-hmm. my pastor said that, and there was a a young lady sitting in front of me, and she turned around and smiled at me and said whatever the pastor said to say. And he snatched my arm and said, uh-uh, don't be speaking to her. I think she got a girl crush on you. Don't be talking to her. <laughs> And it was the most outrageous thing I had heard. Even sitting there, I was like, you can't be serious right now. But he was very serious. It was just that control thing. You know, he felt like, I don't, I don't even know if he really believed that about her, but he felt like this is the situation where I feel like I'm out of control a little bit. Somebody's actually being friendly towards you, and I'm not sure what the motive is, you know. Um, so, so I was, I was very distant. I didn't really have a lot of friends. I just, it was like work, church and home. That's it. I I didn't go anywhere. I stopped wearing makeup because every time I got up in the morning to get dressed to go to work and put on makeup, it was like, who are you going to see? It was always a question. Who's at work? Is somebody trying to talk to you at work? What's going on? You know, it was just easier for my life to just stop. So I did so everything well, about who I really am, I shut down.
0: Well, I guess now you can say to everybody, "How do you like me now?"
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's kind of it's, it's so funny because being a model, a plus size model, and I'm in the limelight so much now, always made up, always dressed up. It's um, it's it, it's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum from where I was. You know, I could have never had this life
0: with him
1: there was Mm -hmm. no way so yeah this is a complete change
0: yes and this is amazing I mean this is a conversation that we could have because I don't know I don't know one woman who hasn't encountered something similar it may not have been someplace where they stayed you know arrested a long time Mm -hmm. or or invested time into but I think we all have and even men I'm not going to just put it on Women being victims of domestic violence, but men are also victims of domestic violence as well. Exactly. And exactly. So you know, right now the
1: statistics are one in one in five men have had a a domestic violence situation with an intimate partner um, at some point in their life. And and again, these statistics are based on reported incidents. There are so many incidents that happen that never get reported.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, I mean, I would venture to say everyone has had it at some point in their life. You know, I would say 99% of people have have had a situation where it, there was abuse. And mm-hmm. so for, to, to, to look at those numbers, I feel like we are not having this conversation nearly enough, you know, especially with our young people where it starts. You know, um, it it seems like it's starting younger and younger. You know, Mm -hmm. and and the the climate of society right now is is violence all the way around. You know, it's not just domestic violence, but it's you know there's violence in the streets and there's violence, you know, on our jobs and you know it's it's just it's we need to be talking about it. We need yes, Mm -hmm. we need to be talking about it more often, and we need to have I think part of the issue is that we're not having real conversations about it. We're not allowing the rawness of how bad things can get, get into those, you know, the ears and the minds of young people because they think, oh, it's not that bad, you know. He was just playing, you know. We we have become so desensitized to it that it's not a big deal. But they don't understand that it snowballs and it gets worse. And mm-hmm. people are being killed because they're brushing it off as, oh, that's just him. He didn't mean it. He doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. by it, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yep. you so I'm right.
1: So I'm hoping that my stories, my books, as they come out, they are showing that rawness, you know. I I mean, mm-hmm. I, I actually feel like it can be a little bit offensive, some of what I've written, but I feel like the topic is offensive, you know, and so people need to be offended in order to understand how serious it is.
0: Yes. Now, where can people find you, you know, speaking engagements and stuff like that? How can they follow you?
1: Well, um, on my website, um, which is Um, that's where that's kind of uh, – Carrie Davis Central there. I have a little bit of everything there, the modeling, the speaking engagements, the advocacy. Um, My book, once it actually comes out, will be available also on my website. Um, But I also, of course, have all social media, um, Miss Carrie Davis on Facebook, um, Plus Model Carrie on Instagram, and on Twitter, I'm actually Miss Madison County. Um, that's
0: my my pageant title. So, okay, okay, yeah. excellent, excellent. I mean, we've had such great dialogue here this afternoon, this evening, and I mean, I would love to have you come back and and we can speak more on this particular subject. And I mean, because it's so it's it's so vast, it's it's huge, yes. and there's so many small aspects of it. And I think that addressing some of the small aspects of it gives you an opportunity and an ability to be able to maybe help somebody even more.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, because there are so many different ways that um, people can find themselves in situations where they're being abused and they may not even realize it, like you said earlier, they may not even realize they're being abused in the situation Um, this is a conversation that could just continue on for hours and Mm -hmm. hours and hours. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But
1: yeah, it would would absolutely be my pleasure to um, come back on and, and talk more about
0: it. Absolutely. I would love it. I really would. And, you know, I think, I think we should just set it up and everything. So I really want to thank you so much for sharing your story, for being, you know, honest and open and because it's important because, You know, you're human, just like, you know, I am and my listeners are. And to know your story, I guess it attaches you and makes you more, I guess you could say, more um, normal, human. human. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes. You know,
0: to them, you know, and they can relate right
1: absolutely and and more importantly i want people to understand that that's not that's not the end of your life like you can completely transform your life i am the living proof that that can happen because i mean from where i was i would have never guessed you know 5 years later outside of my divorce that now, you know, I'm speaking to people and I'm modeling and I'm advocating and I'm I've mm-hmm. written a book. I never would have thought I would write a book. That's just, that just was not my thing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. But, you know, but
1: now, you know, like I said, it's just there is life beyond the abuse. You know, I'm mm-hmm. actually in a relationship right now that I've been in for three and a half years. And it's amazing, you know, he oh, treats me with so much respect. Thank you so much. Um, And, and, you know, he knows my story, and he appreciates who I am. He loves me for who I am, and he encourages me, get out there, you know, tell the story, and, you know, even with the modeling, I mean, you have to know there are a lot of men that are looking at my pictures and commenting, but he's secure in himself not to feel threatened by that, you know. He knows Mm -hmm. that. You know, our relationship is a healthy one, and, and it's going to continue as long as we continue in it, you know. So
0: mm-hmm. I
1: want people to know that life doesn't end, you know, when you walk away. It doesn't have to.
0: Okay. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I like yeah. I said it was a pleasure and we have to do this again. We have to pick this up and move it forward so that people can, you know, understand more and understand better, yes. know the signs and all those other little the small things that they can pick up on beforehand that would cue them into whether or not they're headed into dangerous territory or not. Mhm. Absolutely. So, So whenever you're ready, um, I'm ready as well. And I would like to take the opportunity to thank Monica for providing us this platform and this opportunity to know each other and to speak and discuss this very important topic. Absolutely.
1: Thank you, Monica. (laughs) (laughs)
0: and I want to you know have an amazing evening and stuff and the rest of your week I hope is great and I always like to leave my listeners with like one final word and usually I just tell them you know take care of yourself follow your dreams and be blessed but I want you to Mm -hmm. have that opportunity tonight
1: oh wow thank you I'm honored you've given me your (laughs) face yes well I just I just want to say again that, you know, um, life is full of possibility, and all it takes is for you to discover what your purpose is in life. Um, Your purpose is very personal. It is divinely orchestrated, divinely created, and I just want to encourage everyone out there to seek out that purpose, and it may be the very thing that is bringing you pain right now, that can lead you into the direction of your purpose. So, God bless you all.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I would like to say good night. <laughs> good night. Thanks for tuning in. For more content, visit us at theCocoExpressShow.com.